welcome you to Word and Praise Radio, an extinction of the ministry of Redeemer Church of Clarkston. I'm Pastor Paul Edwards. We're so glad that you've taken the time to tune in today on Faith Talk 1500, where each Sunday afternoon at 1230, we feature the pulpit ministry of Redeemer Church. You can learn more about our church, our doctrinal statement, at RedeemerClarkston.com. Our time together on the radio each Sunday is currently featuring a series from the 100th Psalm, and we are in verse 4. And we invite you to take your Bible now and open it and join the congregation of Redeemer Church of Clarkston in the 100th Psalm. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Praise is thankfulness and blessing. That's what praise is. When we gather together and we sing, we are praising God, but the content of our praise is the end of verse number four, thankfulness unto him and blessing his name. Thankfulness, the idea of being thankful, is confession. Not confession in the sense of admitting, but confession in the sense of acknowledging. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That's not admitting that he's Lord. That's acknowledging that he is Lord. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. To confess there does not just mean to admit. It means to agree with God, to acknowledge that what God says about my sin is true. And the word thankful in verse number 4 expresses that idea throughout the entire Old Testament. The Hebrew word that's translated thankful has as its primary root the idea of confession. Not admitting, but acknowledging, identifying with this God. And so when I come into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise, my praise consists of two things. Being thankful to Him, acknowledging Him, identifying with Him, And secondly, blessing his name. And that's what we want to deal with this morning. What does it mean to bless the name of God? Well, Isaac Watts, in his excellent little book, A Guide to Prayer, uh, says that the idea of blessing God really has two parts to it. He says about blessing the Lord that, number one, it means to mention the many attributes and glories of God with inward joy, satisfaction, and pleasure. To mention the many attributes of God, the many attributes and glories of God with inward joy, satisfaction, and pleasure. Well, if I'm going to mention the attributes of God, I need to know the attributes of God, don't I? And it is the attributes of God that produce this inward joy and satisfaction and pleasure. And he says two things about this mentioning the uh, the attributes and glories of God. How do we do this? Number one, we rejoice and bless the Lord for what he is in himself. Now you think about that. Most of the time when we pray, who are we thinking about? We're either thinking about ourselves or someone close to us. Rarely are we thinking about God. So when I focus on the attributes of God, 
as I am mentioning these attributes of God in my praying, in my conversation with other people, in my private meditation, I am rejoicing and blessing the Lord for what He is in Himself. In other words, God is enough. His gifts aren't what I'm rejoicing over. First and foremost, I'm rejoicing in Him. I'm giving Him praise for who He is. What He is in Himself is enough. And then secondly... We bless and rejoice in the Lord for what he's done for us. And so the first part of blessing God's name, according to Watts, is mentioning the many attributes and glories of God with inward joy, satisfaction, and pleasure, rejoicing in the Lord and blessing the Lord for who he is and what he is in himself and then for what he's done for us. And then secondly, Watts says the second part of blessing the name of God is wishing the glories of God may forever continue and rejoicing at the assurance of it. There is no end to the glory of God. You're never going to put out the life of God. He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. And so when we bless His name, we wish that the glories of God may continue forever and we rejoice at the assurance of it. Now, when you go back to 1 Chronicles 16, David here is giving us the model, as we saw last week, for thankfulness in verses uh, 8 through 22. That's the model for thankfulness, being thankful. And then in verses uh, 23 through 36, he's giving us the model for blessing. David and the Psalms are the model for all of our worship. I went back last night and I re-listened to the first message in this series, and it's interesting to me how the Ark of the Covenant is central to the whole thing. The very first message in this series, we went to Joshua chapter 7 and talked about the children of Israel walking around the walls of Jericho seven times and told not to make a peep until on the, after the seventh time they were told to shout, which is the same word as joyful noise, in Psalm 100, verse 1. What was ahead of the children of Israel? The Ark of the Covenant. The priests and the Levites in their regalia with the the trumpets in their hands, the Ark of the Covenant being borne by the priests and shouting because the Ark of the Covenant was back in its rightful place. And again, this is exactly what's happening in 1 Chronicles 16. The very first verse of 1 Chronicles 16 tells us that after a 20-year absence, the Ark of the Covenant is finally back in Jerusalem where it is supposed to be. And David writes this psalm of thankfulness. Verse number 7 of 1 Chronicles 16. On that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So it's interesting to me that that the, the Ark of the Covenant... Uh, is central, really, though unspoken, in Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is about rejoicing in the presence of God. Come before His presence with thanksgiving. It is about being in the place where God is. And so in verse number 23, it says, Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. 
For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. Look at verse 28. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Verses 28 and 29 is blessing the Lord. And the verses that follow are breaking down what that looks like. To bless the Lord means to give unto the Lord honor and, or glory and strength, verse 28. And to verse 29, give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Now when I give unto the Lord glory and strength and the glory that's due unto His name, I'm not adding anything to God. What am I doing? I am acknowledging the Lord. That's what it means to give. I'm acknowledging God. And so the very first thing, really, the foundation of our blessing the name of God is to acknowledge Him. And this goes back to what Paul said in Romans 1.21, where we were last week. The fundamental problem in our lives is that in our minds, we profess to know God, but in the way that we live our lives on a daily basis, we don't acknowledge God. We don't acknowledge God when we rise in the morning. We don't acknowledge God when we have the strength to work. We don't acknowledge God when there's food on the table. We don't acknowledge God when He's blessing us with good health. It's interesting to me that the United States of America, the people of the United States of America, for the most part, only think about God when a bad thing happens. And then they ask the question, where was God? Well, the answer to that question, God was in the same place He was when you were failing to acknowledge Him until that bad thing happened. You, you, you refuse to acknowledge God in your life until something bad happens, and then when that bad thing happens, you want to know where God is. Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord and not evil also? You better be acknowledging God in the good. And this is exactly what David is saying in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 28 and 29, that we are to acknowledge the glory and the strength of God. The glory of God and the strength of God. And by doing that, we recognize there is no place for me to boast in anything. Everything I have comes from the glory and the strength of God. Every blessing that I've received. If I have health, it's because of God. If I have a good job, it's because of God. If I drive a nice car, it's because of God. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so the what of how, to, uh, of how we're blessing the Lord, what does it mean to bless the Lord, it means that we acknowledge the glory and the strength of God, and we recognize that in comparison to all the other gods, there's no God like our God. And this is exactly what David's doing in Psalm 100, when in the third verse he says, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves." In my acknowledgement of God, I acknowledge my own puniness and my own insignificance, and I certainly acknowledge the insignificance of all the other gods around me. Now, the gods that we have around us in America today are not necessarily spiritual. And, the, and really, the gods in the Old Testament were, were, were made out of wood and silver, uh, precious stones, they were things that were crafted by men 
and set up in the home and worshipped. Well, we do the same thing in the 21st century, don't we? We have made ourselves the ultimate God. The whole notion of Facebook is an indication of where our hearts are, isn't it? And I'm as guilty as anyone when it comes to that. When I acknowledge the glory and strength of God, I am saying to Him, I have no glory and strength of my own. And that really flies in the face of the way that many of us live our lives. So that's what it is. What is it to bless the Lord? It is to acknowledge Him. It is to give glory to Him. It is to set Him up above all of the other gods in our lives and to recognize that my own glory and my own strength comes from Him. If you need, if you need evidence of that in a New Testament way, look at, uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. Let's apply this particular part of uh, this idea of acknowledging the glory and strength of God to where we are today. How do we see the glory and strength of God in our own lives? Well, not in a way that you might imagine. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. Well, let's read verse number 6. For though I would desire to... What's the next word? Glory. What does 1 Corinthians 16 say we're ascribing to God? Glory and strength. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul says, unless I should glory where I shouldn't be glorying, God sends this messenger of Satan to buffet me. Verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord three times, thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My... What's the next word? What am I supposed to ascribe to God? Glory and strength. My strength, God says, is made perfect in what? Your weakness. Where, when I'm ascribing glory and strength to God, the paradox is, is where that is most on display in my life is in my own infirmity, in my own weakness. God's strength is manifest where I am weakest. And so don't think because you're on top of the, you're not on top of the world and you don't have the world by the tail and everything's not going well for you that the glory and strength of God is not active in your life. The glory and strength of God hides behind your weakness. It's active in your weakness. Verse 9 again. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather what? Glory. In my infirmities that the power or the strength of Christ may rest upon me. So the, how do I ascribe to God glory and power and strength? I ascribe it to Him in the midst of my own infirmity, when I recognize my own weakness, when I recognize that when I'm weak, He's strong. My strength is not an indication of God's strength. And my weakness is not an indication of God's strength. God is strong when I am weak. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14. Again, we're, we're applying this glory and strength. 
For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His what? Glory to be what? Strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. So where does glory and strength come from? As I ascribe glory and strength to God, I recognize my own weakness. I recognize that any glory that I have and any strength that I have comes from God. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal what? Glory by Christ Jesus... After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Glory and strength, glory and power right there. Where does it come from? In my weakness. After that you've suffered a while. In the midst of your affliction, in the midst of your suffering, God is not weak. He's strong. And so I ascribe the time in my life when I need to be ascribing glory and strength to God is the time when I feel least like doing it. When I'm feeling weak, when I feel like God is anything but gloriful and, and strong, that's when He's most glorified and most strong. In your daily life, you ought to be ascribing and acknowledging the glory of God and the strength of God, even in the midst of your own weakness and affliction. Go back to 1 Chronicles 16, and let me just help you understand who's giving glory to God. Who is blessing the name of God? Two things, people and nature. People, men and women and children, and the entire natural world does this. The natural world does it better than you and I do it. The sun comes up every morning, and it's not because Annie said it would. It's because God causes it to do it. The heavens declare the glory of God. You look at the heavens, natural things are giving glory to God. And that's exactly what it says here, that nature does this. In verse number 30 of 1 Chronicles 16, Fear before Him all the earth. The world also shall be stable that it not be moved. Now, why does he say the earth and the world? Aren't they the same thing? Well, again, they're spelled differently, aren't they? So the earth must not be the world, and the world must not be the earth. The earth, the Hebrew word that's translated earth, means literally dirt. And it specifically refers to the specific geographical location in which your feet are standing. So when he says in verse 30, fear before him all the earth, where are we standing? We're in Sashabal Middle School uh, in Clarkston in Oakland County. And so right where we are, we are to fear the Lord. We're to ascribe glory to him. That's the earth, a specific geographic location. But then quickly he says in verse 30, the world also shall be stable. The reason now I know that the earth and the world are two different things is because he adds the word also. The earth is one thing, the world is also, and it's different. The Bible says that God set the world upon its foundations. And if you've ever seen Apollo 13, you've seen the world through the glass, right? 
It's one thing the moon landings did for us. There, there weren't too many astronauts that could go to the moon and stand on the moon, and I talked to one of them, and look back at that planet and not believe that there is a God. God set the world upon its foundations. The world is the planet. The world is the globe. And so we ascribe glory to God, strength to God, in our local geographic location, wherever it is God's planted us, wherever that happens to be. Now, when you leave this place, your local geographic location is going to change. What did God say to Joshua? Wherever the soles of your feet shall what? Tread. I've given you that land or that earth. So when you leave here, I don't know where you're going. You might be going to a restaurant. That particular geographic location, in that place, you need to ascribe glory to God. You may be going home. In that place, you need to ascribe glory to God. And so we bless the name of the Lord in the earth and in the world. Verse 31, the the name of the Lord is to be blessed in the heavens. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. The heavens are the skies that you see. Verse 32, let the sea roar. This word in the Hebrew is only used 13 times, and 10 of the times it refers to the voice of God. Let the sea sound like the voice of God. The seas roar, and when they roar, it is like the sound of the voice of God. The Bible says the voice of the Lord is like many waters. You ever been to Niagara Falls? Deafening, isn't it? That's what the voice of God is like. The voice of God roars like the sea. Verse 32, let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. So all the creatures in the sea. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. The fields. Uh, And specifically, verse 33, the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord because because He comes to judge the earth. The natural order of things praises God. All that's left is people. People are what are most important in blessing and glorifying God. Verse 28 says, The kindreds of the people. The people is the nation of Israel. And those who are related to the nation of Israel. And then the, uh, the nations, the heathen, those who are not God's people, are also supposed to give uh, worship to God. And we're supposed to do that worship in the presence of the nations. Verse 30 says, Fear before him all the earth, the world also uh, shall be stable, that it not be moved. Verse 32, uh, actually verse 31, Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The nations there are opposite the people. The people is Israel, God's people. The nations are the heathen and those who do not know God. Verse 24, declare His glory among the heathen. So you've got the heathen and you've got the nations in whose presence we are to declare the glory of God. God has called you and I to declare His glory among the heathen and to say to the nations, the Lord reigns. To bless His name doesn't mean to hide in our little circles, get together in our homes, and talk to one another about how awesome God is. It's part of that. But the real place where we bless the name of God is out there. 
among the heathen, in the presence of the nations, where we declare His glory and we say the Lord reigns. So there's three ways in which we do this. In verse 23, we sing. In verse 31, we say. And in verse 35, we pray. We sing and we declare the glory of God and His strength. We say, what are we to say? We are to declare, verse 31, His glory among the heathen. Actually, verse 24, we are to declare His glory among the heathen in a hostile culture, in a hostile environment. We say, we sing and we say, and then we pray. When we pray, the first priority of our prayer is to mention back to God how awesome He is and to recite for Him His attributes. That, my friends, is what it means to bless the name of God. We sing, we say, and we pray. I hope this message has been an encouragement and a help to you as you seek to serve Jesus in the routine of your life. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at our website, RedeemerClarkston.com, and you can also send me a personal confidential email at paul at RedeemerClarkston.com, and I'll respond with some personal words of encouragement. Word and Praise Radio is an extension of the ministry of the church that I pastor, Redeemer Church of Clarkston, Michigan. More information about our church, like our doctrinal statement and our governing documents, are available to you at our website at RedeemerClarkston.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen on this Lord's Day, and we invite you to tune in again next Sunday at 12.30 p.m. as we once again turn our hearts toward the Lord Jesus Christ in word and praise.